Hey there, I'm Whitney, your host of the Abundantly Yours podcast. I'm a wife, mom, and entrepreneur ready to strive for sainthood right alongside you. Jesus put this podcast on my heart as a way to serve you better, so I am so pumped that you're here. I'll be hanging with you every Monday and Thursday to chat all things, discovering your purpose, cultivating our relationship with Jesus, and everything else in between. Are you ready to fully step into who God created you to be? Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the Abundantly Yours podcast. So excited for you guys to be here and to um, talk along or listen along with an incredible guest I'm super excited to interview today. Um, Welcome, Emily. Hi, I'm so glad to be here with you today. Yes, I am literally so excited. I cannot wait. I my sister shared Emily's books with me. They're actually on her Christmas list. And I was like, guys, like, she's going to be on my podcast. <laughs> so I'm super excited to get to know Emily more and kind of just like her heart behind her books and um, everything that comes with that. So would you please introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Emily Malloy. I am the floral and food editor over at theologyofhome.com. Um, Currently, there are four books. Um, I wrote the fourth book that just came out. I have a small cameo in the third at the sea. Um, And all four books are really about, um, you know, refocusing our attention back to the home as Mm -hmm. it relates to our spiritual life. And it's just a really great jumping off point um, for our journey home to heaven. Yeah, yeah, I am so excited. Um, my book is coming in the mail super soon, so I'm super excited to get to like dive into that. But since I haven't been able to dive into your book, would you mind just sharing, yeah, what is your heart behind your book? Kind of, um, you know, what is kind of that big takeaway from the book? And um, yeah, feel free to share any thoughts of kind of like the writing process and just everything within that. <laughs> Absolutely. So the the fun part about the book was it wasn't something that I sought out to do. So mm-hmm. Carrie Gress uh, at, on Christmas morning actually messaged me and said, it's so obvious because we had been brainstorming for a while what the fourth book might be. And we were going through different processes. And on Christmas morning, she said, it's so obvious the fourth book needs to be about flowers and you need to write it. And so I'd say, I mean, we instantly got right into action and it was her, she, as she saw it, she said, you should take us through the year and it should be chronicled through the year. So in my head, you know, I instantly just kind of hit the ground running where I think I spent the rest of Christmas day with a pen and paper and just bulleting different things down and things that I knew right away that needed to happen was that I needed to grow everything for the book. Um, to mm-hmm. develop sort of this authenticity because it was a it, the questions I was raising in my head instantly was okay what kind what what kind of book is this going to be um, if if you have any familiarity with any other floral books or gardening books um, they they take a certain form and I recognize to keep this in in the context of the whole theology of home series. Uh, at its heart, it needs to be philosophical, right? And that's the fun, that was the fun and really challenging part of making it philosophical, but also practical. And um, I recognized that I needed to grow everything for that Mm -hmm. to just really have that authentic feeling. So it, um, we pulled the book together in about 10 to 11 months. And um, I grew everything. Uh, We also made the realization that 
since it was going to be done in real time, if I'm growing the flowers and I'm having to watch and see, and then when they're ready, I have to cut them and arrange them. I realized, well, we both realized, and Noel, that uh, I would have to be doing the shooting for it as well. So I, I had to take the photographs and, and do all that. So it ended up being a pretty big project. Um, but in the end, it was really fascinating to see as I lived the seasons, as I lived life in the garden in real time, what the Lord spoke. And, and that's what you see on the pages of the book. That's so cool. I love that. And um, I remember in your bio, yeah, you obviously talked about, yeah, working in the florals and such. How did you get into, um, you know, that passion for the floral kind of, I don't know if I want to say industry. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but um, how did that kind of like come to you? Was it like, I know there's, I always think of like St. Teresa Lisieux, you know, she's always associated with flowers. So I don't know if there's any particular way that, you know, you were kind of drawn into um, the flower area. Um, I'd love to know kind of if what that was. Yeah. So originally I had aspirations to be an attorney and I quickly discerned out of that process and particularly as I was engaged in getting married, but I had already had an internship um, at a law firm after uh, during my last uh, semester in college. So I just stayed on for a little bit, got married, you know, tried to kind of get my sea legs there. And um, we obviously knew that we wanted to have a family, but the nature of the economy and everything, I knew that I couldn't just stay home. So, you know, I just remember praying and thinking about it and thinking, okay, what kind of job would, would, it, would it be conducive to still kind of have my focus at home, but work a little bit. And, and so actually, as it happened, a girlfriend of mine had a flower shop this back when I lived in Philadelphia. So a girlfriend of mine in, our, in the same neighborhood had a flower shop and she was getting ready to expand finally and hire her first employee. And I jumped at the chance uh, with no background whatsoever. Uh, but I just saw that it was a really great opportunity for the long-term plan of what I wanted my family life to look like. And it really, I almost didn't get the job, Whitney. I almost didn't get the job. Uh, I, there was a ton of people vying for this position because it was just the most charming little flower shop. And mm -hmm. just, you know, the word people would always use when they would come in was that it was magical. And it was just absolutely like Picha was just, and still is an artist. So I um, was one of a bunch of candidates, but it came down to me and another woman. And the other woman had much more relevant work experience. She actually was a producer for Martha Stewart and mm -hmm. um, had been in the gardening sort of aspect of, of, the, mm -hmm. of the Martha sort of um, what a dynasty. <laughs> and um, so it was so much more relevant. And I remember my friend saying, she didn't know what to do because she thought I would be a really good fit. And obviously as a friend, she thought that would be a really great dynamic. And then she thought, but oh my goodness, you know, this woman has relevant work experience and how neat to kind of be like one step removed from Martha. So she mm -hmm. hired us both. Um, and then Anne eventually left. I think she moved. And so I was the, the last one standing. And in that whole process, I would say for the course of several months, it was an apprenticeship. And the only thing I was really allowed to do was to like sweep the floors. And um, when the flowers would come in, would be like removing, you know, what we would call processing the flowers. So giving them fresh cuts and removing leaves that you don't want and thorns and all of that sort of thing. So that was kind of the basis 
of my background until Valentine's Day. And we were so overwhelmed and drowning that my boss was like, go, take a, take a customer and go. And I remember thinking, you know, and I, she had trained me throughout that whole process, but really just being thrown into the deep end. And I'll never forget the first bouquet I ever made. And it was this peach um, bouquet with all different kinds of colors and uh, of shades of peach and pinks. And just like from that moment on, I was hooked. Um, Mm -hmm. And once I had started doing that, so that's where most of like my aesthetic training came from. And then when I finally was fortunate enough to be able to stay home full time um, after we moved out of the city to the suburbs, um, I realized that I just couldn't play with flowers all the time. So if I wanted to sort of have that outlet as a mom, I would have to grow my own flowers. So then I really, we had, I think a 10th of an acre, really, really teeny small property. And I maximized every square inch that I could and still have a little bit of place for the kids to play. So I just was really bit by the gardening bug, which I think added a certain richness to my background in floral design. And then, and then we steadily moved deeper and deeper into the country. Now we're in rural Mississippi and, you know, we have all these acres and, and now I grow um, a bunch of flowers, although it's been a rough year with a drought where not much is happening. Um, but it's just been a really interesting process going from somebody who just is on the receiving end of flowers grown anywhere in the world, you know, at, at the click of a button you can have the most amazing flowers from the Pacific Northwest. We used to order dahlias from Florette, which people know Florette. That was back before, you know, she really did all the seeds and the television show. She mm-hmm. usually just sold stems of dahlias. We would get dahlias from her and then we would get amazing things from over in Holland. And, and it was just all at the click of a button and just that realization. And obviously we would have wanted more to do things locally, but when you're dealing with brides and different things, sometimes, you know, you just, have to have to do the thing to get it done. Um, But as I started really getting my fingers dirty um, in gardening, it just opened up this whole new horizon for me. Um, And and God breaking in in that midst um, was really interesting. So cool. I love how like, I just even like my life, I mean, I'm 21. So um, you know, like a lot of things have happened, but there's still, God willing, a lot of life to live, right? And it's like, I just love looking back at like, just for my example, you know, my business, I started that my junior year of high school. And it's like, you know, I'm coming up on five years of opening my Etsy shop (laughs) and it's evolved into so much more. And it's like, I just think it's so cool how one quick little passion can turn into like our entire life. And it can turn into so many open doors and so many opportunities within, um, you know, what our passion is. And I just, it always comes back to the gifts and talents that the Lord has given us, right? Um, There was a year within my business that that's like all I talked about. And I'm like, I need to keep talking about it more, but how um, it's easy to fall into that cycle of like comparison of like, you know, you know, I'm sure maybe for you, her flowers are better than mine or her arrangements look better than mine. And I'm sure that was maybe a thought at the beginning, right? Um, But it's like, okay, now, like for me, I've also had those thoughts, but wait, what are those gifts and talents God gave me? Because he gave me those talents, you know, to, to live out my vocation, right? Like to live out what I'm called to do both within like, you know, our big V vocations, you know, whether that's marriage, religious or single life, but then also through um, the work that we do. 
I think if you had talked to 21-year-old Emily, I would have told you I wasn't artistic. Uh, I saw myself as an athlete. I was a college athlete. I loved music and I studied music. Uh, and then throughout high school, I would do you know whatever extracurriculars I could sort of squeeze in. But I had a really um, um, utilitarian way of looking at life, right? And I loved art and I loved high culture and all of these different things. And it, it, it was very formative in my life, but it played no real value. And what's really interesting is I would have put myself on one trajectory thinking that my gifts and talents were one thing, but God plants these seeds and they bear fruit and you just have to be still and you have to listen. So I think for perhaps a lot of your listeners, it's entirely possible that they may have gifts and talents that they don't recognize that aren't actualized. Um, so I think this is where being in tune with the Holy Spirit and just being docile to his will uh, is really important because I, I wouldn't be where I am now at 36 uh, if I hadn't sort of started wondering what it was that God wanted with my life because it has taken a completely different path where even now music is back in my life and it hadn't been, I hadn't sung since I was 18. And now it's like, the center of like my life in the parish, right. Is singing. So it was just really interesting, you know, using those gifts and talents and um, just again, being docile to the Holy spirit, because God will let you know exactly what it is that he wants from you. You just have to ask. Um, so as far as using these gifts and talents um, for the greater glory of God, he, he really makes it clear. You, you develop this sense of peace as you're doing things. Right. And, not to say that you won't come against obstacles, right? You're going to have obstacles because the enemy is going to want to thwart whatever you want to do or discourage you in that process. But there is a certain sense of peace that you have, even when you are in, um, in a trial, for example. And so it's just holding and maintaining that peace in the process. Um, and as it, as even in the process, when I look back in, you know, wanting to, to be a stay at home mom, right. That was what I wanted to do, but it was really difficult. You know, my husband was in finance, we were in a big recession and it was just really hard for us to figure out how to make this work. Um, and then God opened this door that, um, helped us sort of, you know, work our way into that, that life. And then, you know, interestingly enough, when I was home, I thought more or less, you know, my, my work in the public sphere, not that it was terribly public in the flower shop, but just being out there in the world and not just living a hidden life, I would have guessed that it was finished. Right. And slowly, mm -hmm. you know, I, I opened an Etsy shop and was busy doing that. And then, um, from there it turned into a children's clothing line with two of my girlfriends. And it was through that children's clothing line, which in 2020, the three of us all dispersed and went in different directions where we recognized for ourselves that it, it was time to, to let it go. But in that process, that's how I met Carrie and Noelle, um, because they were both um, interested in that brand. And then plucked right from there, sort of back into this public sphere, but being able to do it still within the context of the home and using those gifts and talents, which in hindsight, everything that seemed unrelated, you know, my past as a food writer and a food blogger and as a florist, all sort of coming together to be, um, to, to serve a purpose. Right. And so all of this working, I'm now recognizing the Lord is asking me, you know, through whatever knowledge I've acquired over the years to just bolster women in their, um, 
in their in their journey of life in the home or even life in the workplace of um, recognizing the work of our hands, the beauty of the work of our hands, um, and how that transforms us and everybody around, um, whether it's a loaf of bread that you make lovingly or just a cooked dinner or a bunch of cookies or a picture you draw with your kids, um, or going outside and cutting whatever flowers you see and throwing them in a little mason jar and tucking them in a corner. You know, these, it, it doesn't take much. And I think, um, you know, other ways of, of bringing beauty into our life can feel overwhelming. You know, it's, it's an undertaking to get an art set or to, um, you know, get paints or that can feel messy, um, or it can, you know, seem above you because it takes a certain amount of skill, but it doesn't necessarily take a whole lot of skill to go out with scissors and cut what's already there or to buy a $2.99 bag of seeds and throw it and watch it grow and change and, and then bring that into your home. You know, so there's, um, it's just a joy, you know, there's not much skill or talent that, that needs to go into it. Only love. Yes. I love that so much. And I remember when you first kind of started talking and you were, you made a comment about, um, the seeds and bearing fruit, right? Um, and John 15, that that passage of the Bible has been so, so like just consistent in my own prayer life. And I love how it just ties in with the reality of like the actual process of like growing florals, right? Like growing your own flowers. Um, you know, in a way it's kind of got its own, it connects so well. And so, um, yeah, I I think when you know, I was in high school and in that, like, the, when everyone's like, what are you going to do after high school? You know, that, that consistent, um, it almost sometimes might feel like a nag, right? Like everyone's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it's like, well, I have no idea. You know, and then someone's like, well, what are you interested in? And it's like, I'm still figuring that out. Right. And I, I love the point you made about how, like, there are some gifts and talents that we might not even know we have yet right? Like there's so many things that the Lord blesses us with. And within that, like he called, like there's a daily calling to respond to God. And so within that, he brings those graces. He brings that direction of where you're supposed to go. And like, you know, in 10 years, who knows where we're both going to be, right? Like who knows what, you know, our, you know, careers will look like if that's how you want to say it, right? Like who knows what this is going to look like and what our families are going to look like and what the world's going to look like. Um, and so in 20 years, there is a great potential that there will be gifts and talents that, you know, I either rediscover or discover for the first time. And it's like never doubting the Lord and the things that you can or can't do. Um, yeah, there's things that I may be not the most talented in, but that doesn't mean it's not a skill that I can't work on. Right. Yeah. He's, he just asks, he, all that he asks is, is you to be faithful. Right. And, and, you know, am I the best florist in the world? No. Am I the best writer? Absolutely not. Am I the best photographer? Not by a long shot, you know, but he just asks for us to be faithful. Right. And, you know, offer whatever we do have in humility that it will bear whatever fruit that he intends. Amen. Amen to that. That's so good. Literally faithful has also been like my sweatshirt. Mm. He is faithful. (laughs) Um, You can find it in my shop. He always is. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, 
Um, I'm just amazed always at the way the Lord works. Um, so, so beautiful. And so I guess this is a question that I haven't really, I didn't prepare you for, but I guess within motherhood and within the gift of kind of, um, you know, doing the passion, like the work that you're passionate about within like the florals and, you know, your current job, um, what has been the biggest blessing for you to be able to, you know, be a mom, but then also kind of have your own creative outlet? Um, what kind of fruits have you seen within that? Well, I think one bears fruit in the other, right? You know, we, we like to think that we can sort of um, live in a partitioned way, right? But whatever our vocation is, is going to form what we do uh, out in the world in our work. You know, even our, even if your work is the hidden life, even if the Lord is calling you into a hidden life, or if the, the Lord is calling you out into something more publicly, uh, wh- whatever your vocation is, is, is going to affect that, right? So beauty is obviously extremely important to me, right? You know, that's been sort of the, the driving factor behind all that I do. And my children have shaped how I view it, how I recognize the importance of it, and how I want it really present in the home, even in subtle ways. And they also make things more beautiful, right? You know, and that's just um, just been a really interesting process, particularly in writing the book because they were, I mean, my whole family was a big part of it. You know, my husband was like my first editor <laughs> and I would brainstorm things and, and you know, there were a lot of times that he was taking pictures and, um, but even my children were so much a part of the process. You know, some of the arrangements in the book, they did. And so it was just really um, beautiful um, bringing them into the process, right? And I think that's something that we have to remember uh, as in whatever place we are, but as wives and as mothers, that whatever we do out of the home or within the home, if you're working in the home, is needs to be sort of an extension or a part of yourself in that way. You know, you can't be fragmented. Absolutely. Um, Totally agree with everything that you like, yeah, just said within that. And I feel like since becoming a mom, I have a seventh month, seven, almost a seven month old at the time we record, which is crazy. Um, that they're constantly challenging us to be a better version of ourselves because motherhood is a constant kind of, especially in the early days. I mean, even I don't know what it's like to have older children, but it's a constant um, like dying to yourself right? It's, I never knew how, how much you have to sacrifice as a mom, especially truly in those first weeks, because like, you know, your baby needs you, you're in the chair, you're recovering. And, um, and now there's a whole different way that I die to myself within, um, motherhood having a seven month old. Right. Um, Yeah. It's it's such a, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because in that, living for another being, you, mm. um, you break out of the mindset, like you, you start to be able to see past the nose on your face, right? And how important mm. that is just in, in your personhood, right? Not saying that only, and only through being a mother, um, you know, you, you fully become who you are, but in so many other aspects, whether it is a child that comes from your body, or if it is, Um, somebody that you are um, taking care of or opening yourself up 
two in some capacity. It just broadens who you are as a person. And in that way, God is able to break in in a special way when we are dying to ourselves, right? We get out of God's way because we're not trying to solve all of our problems. When you're a mom and you're in that chair, it's like you want to get up and do things that you can't, you know, and you have to rely on either somebody coming over to help you or your husband, you know, and it's just a really interesting process. But, you know, you can see God's hand in all of it because then you're able um, to make more room for him, even though you feel so full and like your plate is so full. But, you know, God, God finds a way to fill all those spaces. Absolutely. Totally. God always makes a way for everything. Like, there's just in the last months, I just have been reflecting on some big goals that I've set and just working towards some big things within business and motherhood and life and just all the things. And I, there's still goals that I'm working towards. I think we kind of all have those, you know, like, oh, I, like, I can't wait. I'm working towards this. And then I look back and just even see how, you know, the big goal is slowly getting fulfilled, how slowly, like one task at a time, you know, one thing at a time, I'm getting closer to that. And it's like, some days it's easy to be like, wow, I'm so far away from being in this place, whether it's um, a vocation or just a life goal in general. And it's like, we feel we're so far away, but like, truthfully, if we look back and just see how the Lord has been faithful and how he has provided and how he has led us, it makes it so much easier to live today and every day after that, because like, we can already see what God has done and we can already see how faithful he has been. Um, Absolutely. Well, faith is found in the present, you know, and, and that's the thing about motherhood is it you it forces you into the present. And that is where we meet God. Right. You know, we fret about the future and sometimes we can wring our hands about the past. But, you know, there is such sacred moments and such holiness to be found in the present. And that is that's it. Right. You know, and that's the thing that can be really hard because we can get so caught up in what ifs or I wants or, you know, all of these different things or we miss out on that opportunity to be recollected in the present. And it, that's where also it is so important to just have a mindfulness for God's goodness, because you can look in the past if there is something that is troubling you, that you look in the past and you are seeing that God is always faithful. Right. And really, you know, that is the heart of my book. You know, if you want to get to to all of it, right? And and also within sort of the the charism for a lack of a better word of the work of theology of home is this finding holiness in the present of what's immediately in front of you. And, you know, as it relates to what I had written in my book is seeing the beauty that is there today, right? So that flower is there today, it is blooming today. And it won't be there tomorrow, right? So you have to sit and bask and be recollected in the beauty. Uh, and then in those moments, that's where God breaks in, you know, and he speaks. But um, it's it's all about the present. And I think the culture works really hard trying to get us to fast forward, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, I was listening to my internet radio and it already told me what Christmas station they think I should listen to. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't even purchased, you know, not Christmas candy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> purchased Halloween candy yet. You know, I haven't even, not that anybody, we live on a dead end street. I don't think, <laughs> you know, on a, we're one of two houses on a road in, in rural Mississippi. I don't think we'll have anybody trick or treat, but on the off chance that yeah. a, a soul comes to get some candy, um, you know, 
I was just shocked, you know, and it always happens, but I think, you know, I'm also becoming more and more unplugged. So I'm not having this barrage of, um, and, and the culture tells you, you need to not be happy in the present, right? There's the marketing of, you need this outfit to make you look posh. You need, you know, this beauty product that will do something in a couple days or, you know, however many weeks of usage and, or, you know, you'll be happy once it's finally Christmas and you get the decorations up and all of these things. Whereas, you know, there's such a discipline in being rooted where you are and yeah. permitting yourself to just, you know, cause sometimes the present is really uncomfortable, right? So then we distract ourselves with all of these other things. And sometimes you just, the Lord is calling us to sit in that discomfort to um, better prepare ourselves for what is eventually to come, right? That's what you see in the liturgical seasons of Advent, which we're coming upon and, and Lent, right? In my book, uh, I really talk about the importance of Advent and don't rush to Christmas, like just live in those four weeks in that discomfort and that expectant waiting for the Lord to come. Because if you rush into all the Christmas rush, you're not, you might miss his coming. You know, you might miss that, that spectacular feeling of seeing that he's finally present after four weeks of aching for his longing, you know, and then the same thing with Easter, with Easter and Lent, you know, in that time of fasting, the feasting means so much more. Yeah, amen to that. There's so much noise in the world that we are constantly having to, you know, kind of battle against. Um, yeah, so setting setting some boundaries or whatever that looks like for yourself, um, something that I'm continuously working on because it does, one, steal your joy most of the time. Yes. <laughs> and two, it's just not healthy to consume and consume and consume. Um, so, yeah, perfect. Great, great advice there. Um, and so as we kind of begin to wrap up a little bit, um, what is one piece of advice you want every young Catholic woman to know? Well, I would say it's kind of tying into uh, what I had just said, you know, that opportunity for holiness in the present. And I think that there is something with nature, right? We were, I wrote a whole book <laughs> about how we were created for the garden, but we encounter God in a very unique way outside. So in motherhood, we can feel bogged down, right? But if you take that moment to just step outside into God's creation and you just marvel at everything that's around you and then remember that it is us, not the flowers that are made in his likeness, right? And we're the glory and the splendor of his creation. And that is it will fill you with so much joy, but also just so much fear and trembling, like in a, in a really good way of understanding who, how God sees us as his children, as his daughters, to know that, my goodness, you know, the Purple Mountains majesty are just breathtaking, but God sees you so much more than this, right? And he reminds us this all the time in scripture. Yeah. Amazing. Such a beautiful reminder. Um, and so as we um, wrap up, what is, uh, sorry, where can people um, purchase your book? Um, and if you have any social media or anything you want to share as well, please do that. Absolutely. So my book can be found at theologyofhome.com. It could also be found at tanbooks.com and on Amazon. And you can find me on Instagram at the Emily Malloy. 
And I also finally, after a long hiatus of maintaining any sort of website, just started up a, a website again to sort of act as a collation of, of the work that I'm doing, the different places where you can find my work at emilymalloy.me. Sweet. I mean, I'll have those links in the description. So um, easy, easy for you to see and pull that information again. Um, and once again, thank you for joining me and for sharing everything you did with us today. It was so just beautiful to get to witness a part of your heart and your passion for your faith and florals. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It was a real joy. Hey, we've made it to the end of this episode of the Abundantly Yours podcast. If this episode touched your heart in any way, I would be so thankful if you could head on over to subscribe and leave a review. That way you'll never miss another episode. Be sure to go follow me on Instagram at abundantly.yours for more. See you next time.